Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. Today on the Ether, an introduction to Fetch AI. Hosted by CMO of Atomic Wallet, Roland Chade, featuring Nico DMT, the community and dev advocate at Fetch.ai. Let's take a listen. Hello and welcome, Nick. How are you doing? Hey there. Hopefully you can hear me. Sadly, there's a little bit of construction work happening all around me, so you might hear some background noise. No worries. Right now, it's uh, nice, loud, and clear. So how, how are you doing today? All is well. Where are you located, by the way? All is well on my end. Doing wonderfully today. A little bit of tasks. And looking forward to the Twitter Space session. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing great as well. Enjoying the spring that has come to Estonia, finally. Some sunshine and weather is getting finally a bit warmer. Yeah, looking forward to some sunny weather on my end as well. So when we wait for more people to join the spaces, uh, how about we just, uh, you know, go on with the introduction? Perhaps you could just tell me a bit more about yourself. How did you actually, what's your first experience with crypto? My first experience with crypto started way back in 2014, 2015 period. At that point, I was quite young. I wasn't even a student, but I discovered the Bitcoin white paper and read on beyond the Bitcoin white paper. And shortly after Ethereum came along, I just started diving deeper and deeper into the industry. And I was really interested conceptually. I'd say that technically my understanding and knowledge was lagging behind my philosophical curiosity. And I'd say the practical curiosity of it drove me deeper and deeper. I'd say that my fascination with distributed systems started even earlier than my fascination with crypto in particular. And then once crypto came along, or at least once incentive tokens hosted on distributed networks came along, I'd say that that's that's really when my curiosity and interest peaked. And ever since then, I've been exploring the industry. Uh, professionally, I've been involved in crypto for the past two years. I started off as a simple community member in various communities. And back in the 20, I suppose 2017, 2018, 2019 period, crypto was very community led in that sense. And all you needed to do was just be informed and contribute and share knowledge. And then once I joined the FetchAI community, I joined as a member when I, uh, effectively spend a lot of my time just sharing my own understanding and sharing my sort of insights with the community later on became a moderator and uh, about six months ago i started i was professionally hired by fetch ai and i started uh, wearing many hats within the team a little bit of marketing a little bit of development advocacy a little bit of business development but primarily marketing at this point and you know marketing for devs let's say 
sounds like you've you've been actually around for quite a, quite a while uh with with most of the people i've spoken they've uh, maybe entered uh, the crypto space in like 2017 2018 so we could say you're really like uh quite an experienced guy there uh and oft, often we hear the stories of uh, the first experiences. Yeah, they got some Bitcoin, but then, you know, uh, they lost it. For example, last last week uh, we had a few guys from Dogecoin and one of the guys mentioned that he had 32 Bitcoins that he basically just lost. So any any funny stories like that from your end? No, not really. No, in fact, I'd say that in my opinion, it's really um knowledge that i was after and that i'm still after to date i'd say that i'm very inactive as an investor i just buy stuff and huddle them forever and <laughs> it's not a lot you can lose when you don't even interact with your wallet so on that end i'm pretty sound uh but including the financial aspect of it and um sort of the cybersecurity aspect of it i'd say that most of the value to be had is really informational value at this point it's being able to understand the use case and be the first to react to actually realize that use case, being able to perceive a trend and actually understand why that transformed, what are the root costs, what are the main contributing factors, and be able to um, effectively identify all of those so early that by the time that they've become trends, you're pretty much the best person to speak to on that matter. And I still think that a non-trivial part of the value to be had in the space is informational. Yeah, I would say it's a valid point because quite often, um, let's say if we look at the end user, then they they don't know or they don't even want to know so much of the technical sides. They more are just interested of the of the value to them you know how can they use it so definitely this kind of information can be useful but uh, i mean today's topic is introduction to fetch ai but uh, just before we get started on that topic uh, i just wanted to mention for those who are new to atomic wallet just a few words what atomic wallet is uh, it's a multi-chain non-custodial wallet for both mobile and desktop so for example you can buy exchange and stake fet directly in our wallet of course we also may uh, support nfts and so on but uh, yeah just just a quick word on that but uh, going back to fetch ai uh, could you perhaps tell me about the backstory of that how did it all start uh, fetch ai is a cambridge-based decentralized lab it started back in 2017 funded by founded by mind shake toby simpson and um i believe another uh, another investor at the time i wasn't really part of the project so my past might be a little bit shaky the goal has always been or rather the mission has always been the same it's to uh, facilitate a digital economy foundationally hosted or rather bound by autonomous economic agents and so the mission is to create autonomous agents ai capable agents that are able to transact on your behalf or even more broadly speaking they're able to execute um, tasks on your behalf or on an object's behalf such as a machine or on the behalf of an organization so you can really say that uh, our mission is really to connect machines and enable this machine-to-machine -machine transaction, not simply sharing data, uh, which is very Web2-like, but being able to share value. 
so back in 2017, I say the project went through uh, two to four years of research and development, which is when our initial white paper and token economic paper came out. And around the 2019 period is when the first um, IEO happened at the Binance IEO. Uh, at that time, I think there wasn't, the tech was really being built out. So it was quite a lot of foundational work, honing in on the ledger, honing in on the fetch hub, honing in on the actual value prop, building out the autonomous economic agent framework, building out the agent communication network, which are foundational infrastructure tools that allow agent to agent communication, data exchange, value exchange, and so forth. And we're kind of honing in on this modern era of 2020, 2021, 2022, and now 2023, where the project has slowly transitioned from a research and development-based project to a project that's building out and facilitating the growth of an ecosystem and infrastructure. The foundational part of the infrastructure is our ledger, which is based on the Cosmos SDK and uses a variant of Tendermint's proof-of-stake consensus to deliver consensus on the network. Alongside that ledger is the Fetch EI wallet, uh, alongside other wallets, such as the Atomic Wallet, which, which enable interaction with the ledger. And the two cornerstone pieces of the Fetch EI tech stack are the Autonomous Economic Agent Framework, which we can dive further in detail in a moment in, and uh, Collective Learning. Collective Learning is a library that enables decentralized privacy-preserving sharing a decentralized privacy preserving machine learning on the fetch ai network but if i had to sum everything up i'd say that the goal of fetch ai is to create a world where industries can be linked by these interconnected dynamic agents which can trade or organize taking that back input or no input at all oh, you, have, you have some uh, nice building background there <laughs> Uh, was I was I able to answer the question fully, or should I? I would say most most of the uh, question got answered. Yes, regarding the backstory and how did it all start. But uh, I mean, you mentioned many times regarding uh, like solution to uh, agents or AI to answer questions and doing the everyday tasks. Uh, I've I've read several times that uh, you know you want to uh, help uh, with I don't know let's say booking flights or hot hotel rooms etc. Um, can you just tell us how do you imagine it working? Is it uh, through agentverse or or you know is it already working that people can use uh, a solution to do such actions? So it's, uh, let me just give you a little bit of context uh, and for the new listeners, give you a little bit of context as well. So there's three components here that interplay to create this uh, agent connected world. Number one is the blockchain itself, which acts as an execution layer to facilitate transactions um, as well as to facilitate connectivity. Uh, number two is the agents themselves. Agents are autonomous economic agents or micro agents we have two frameworks one is a more one is a bigger framework with a larger scope the other is a smaller framework with a more narrow scope are adaptive independent programs that work for you so you have the ledger which once replicated constitutes a distributed network you have the agent which is simply an adaptive software program um, and finally you have the business logic and agents themselves have a so-called skill component which nests the business logic what we do as a project is, or at least in the current 
phase of development, we've built out developer tools, the autonomous economic agent framework, the micro agent framework, Genesis, Cosmpy, and the, the network itself. What we aim to do is to popularize these developer tools so that independent software engineers or nonprofit organizations or businesses or consortiums or governments can adopt these agents um, and actually lift themselves up from either a, uh, either a non-digital sort of mode of operations to a digital one or from a digital one to an autonomous one. Um, in its current stage, the tools are ready for broader adoption from developers, but actually building out useful applications is something that we'd love to see developers do for themselves. And the reason for that is while we are working on our own applications, it's it's more than just software engineering to be able to produce a working business that actually delivers value for the end user and delivers value for the business itself and delivers value for the ecosystem. That's quite a big challenge. And when working with finite time and limited resources, we decided that for the moment, it's important that we polish the underlying developer tools to facilitate a growth um, facilitate growth in the creation of decentralized applications. And the great thing about it is that due to the generality of the agent framework, um, all sorts of applications are possible, right? Um, so you've hinted so, too, yeah. Uh, so I guess to, to summarize right now in terms of uh, what, what you guys are working or trying to do is for any company who actually wants to automate this part of their, I don't know, procedures, processes, or helping helping to improve their services so that they will be able to do it. But what, what is more like the end goal for Fetch? Uh, what are you trying to solve? Uh, the end goal for Fetch is to connect people directly. So we're solving three problems simultaneously. Problem number one is, the world right now in its current phase of development is not only somewhat centralized, but those that have your data or that have the actual service um, effectively extract a fee both from the service provider and from the user of the service. Uh, an example of this is booking.com, right? Booking.com takes a little bit of profit from the people that offer the hotel room as well as a little bit of profit from the people that book the hotel. What we intend to achieve is leverage agents so, so that if I am if I need a hotel in Miami, uh, I would simply tell my agent, find me a hotel in Miami and it would connect to the hotel's agent. It would negotiate a price. It would book a room. And that's solved, and that's peer-to-peer -peer connectivity using the chain as a settlement layer to settle any financial aspect of that transaction using the agent communication network or a smart contract to ensure that agents are, agents are able to search and discover each other and using agents themselves to negotiate the best deal for me as opposed to relying on a centralized service such as Booking.com. Right? Um, the booking.com i think is a bit of an archaic example in that it's not the most sophisticated example i can give you but it's an example that showcases the value prop of the project uh, a more sophisticated example i think is if you uh imagine yourself uh you let's say you have a fleet of trucks you have four trucks and the main value prop of your business is physical distribution right now trucks are very passive 
there's not a lot of autonomy there. If something breaks, you need to identify what's broken and you need to order a replacement part. If the tires are worn out, you need to buy new tires. If the truck needs to park, you need to find a parking for it. Um, all of that can be done by the truck itself. The truck is able, the truck can be able to recognize either malfunctions or parts that are closing in on their useful life cycle, they're deprecated. Using predictive analytics, it can then signal to an agent that a specific part is either fully broken or partially broken, and the agent can begin searching for replacement parts. The same example goes with a parking spot. If a truck driver is approaching the end of his day and needs a secure parking spot to find, he can do that with an agent, and the agent will be searching for parking spots on behalf of the truck. It can book the spot, it can pay for it, um, and so you see that on the one hand, people can use this as a quality of life improvement to both save money as well as improve the actual search and discovery process for services or products, but machines themselves can also do it. And the even more sophisticated example is agents themselves are capable, they're very lightweight. You don't really need a lot of computational resources to be able to host an agent or run an agent. They're also asynchronous, which means that an agent, two agents that communicate with one another don't necessarily need to be online at the same time. What this means is that a piece of infrastructure, such as a light post, for example, that has an agent within it can be, becomes alive. It effectively becomes alive. Um, I can give you an example, which is with respect to autonomous vehicles right now. So in the current phase, autonomous vehicles need to see the world around them. They need to be able to perceive objects, both static and moving, one, and moving ones. And there's a bunch of technologies that facilitate that. Um, however, it doesn't have to be the case that the car needs to see everything. If a light post or a crosswalk or a piece of the sidewalk or even really any piece of infrastructure that has an agent can announce itself to the car, right? It can broadcast the fact that it's there. And you can imagine a street sign broadcasting to an autonomous vehicle that there's a speed limit here and the speed limit begins within uh, a specific length. Um, I feel like this is a, uh, this is a more sophisticated example rather than most sophisticated examples that showcase the underlying value prop. Uh, stripping away all of these examples and diving deep into the actual value proposition, search and discovery, decentralized search and discovery mediated by agents is one aspect of the value proposition. The second aspect of it is direct connectivity. So peer-to-peer -peer connectivity, not simply for financial transactions, but for transactions of any kind, really, that involve a financial either input or output. Um, so search and discovery, the ability to um, use the blockchain as a financial settlement layer, and finally, the ability to use the blockchain as a both a coordination mechanism as well as a mechanism that facilitates, facilitates trustless um, interactions. So I don't need to know you. All I need to know is that I trust the specific network that the agent is operating within. Right? Um, yeah, this is... Uh... This is a really, really interesting uh, topic and can get so, so sophisticated and like complicated. For me, it was a lot easier to understand and probably for a lot others to understand the booking.com case. And like, I think quite often with like crypto uh, or blockchain, like uh, 
people trying to relate more to the like a, a sim simple explanation. So that was really good. But uh, so obviously you mentioned all these different uh, options, how it could potentially be used, but uh, how are there specific uh, strategy in place? How Fetch aims to reach uh, those things? Are you working with some bigger partners or or what? How are you aiming to? So internally, internally at Fetch AI, what we want to achieve is we want to decrease the barriers for agent adoption. We want to ensure that agents themselves aren't complicated to launch. We want to ensure that connecting to a network isn't complex. We want to ensure that there's best practices and near standardized procedures that any developer, even those that have beginner level Python knowledge, are able to um, sort of understand, navigate the space and launch the agent. Uh, on that front, the idea is to continuously decrease the barriers to adoption. The main barrier right now is knowledge. Um, foundationally, we're also working with uh, various partners. The main partner we work with is Bosch. Um, they're a major engineering giant. They they effectively are one of the they're, they're, they've, historically they've always been a very forward looking company, and what they're one of the companies that recognized this infrastructure comes to life. Uh, example that I gave earlier on. Um, so on the one hand, internally, where the strategy is to ensure that people have access to information that allows them to continuously develop these agents, even if they don't have a computer science background, they're still able to, within a week or within a month, understand the foundational concepts and launch their first agents. And then they can incrementally add complexity as they build out the agent, right? Number two is we partner with companies such as Bosch, companies such as Festo, uh, as well as other companies to um, create demos, to create joint workshops, to create hackathons, so that we're not only working with them in a professional manner to implement the technology within a bigger industry, but we're also working with them to popularize the technology to ensure that people have access to it, even if they don't have access to the product that the specific partnership is meant to create. In that sense, we aim to partner with bigger companies that are forward-looking and that understand the value to be had from blockchain-based products. Um, we'd like to partner with such companies such that we can create industrial-scale use cases. We can think of these as industrial dApps, but we'd also like to ensure that everyday common developers can join in, they can ask a couple of questions, and that they can begin their development journey. And earlier on, you mentioned the agent verse. The agent verse is exactly that. The agent verse is a virtual hub, which not only allows you to write code, but it also gives you a graphical interface where you can effectively drag and drop, um, not necessarily drag and drop, but akin to drag and drop. You can use a graphical interface to create an agent and see how agents interact. So single agent use cases, but you can also see how agents stores information. You can also see how agents communicate with one another. And once you have single agent interactions, storage and communication, foundationally, that's already enough to build out some very simple use cases. And I think this answered the strategy question. To sum it all up, it's a combination of decreasing the barriers to broader adoption whilst working with forward-looking companies so that the actual adoption um, happens, right? So that we don't have to rely on 
entropy, right? We don't have to rely on the fact that if a developer finds us, we're proactive in that we search out companies and invite them to explore the technology, to brainstorm with us, to join a workshop, and to see whether our specific value proposition matches their own set of objectives and goals. Thanks for, for that answer. So uh, just moving, moving on, um, obviously, if we look back maybe one year ago, there was not so much talk about the AI, but, but lately there was a lot of buzz ever since the launch of ChatGPT. Uh, and as a result, since then, we've seen a petition, petition that was signed by the tech leaders like Musk and Wozniak and, and many others that one that basically seek to halt the quick and massive development of AI labs. Uh, what What is your take on that? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? So the foundational reason that petition came to exist is because it addresses a very valid problem. It addresses the problem of misaligned incentives, right? Uh, artificial intelligence in its current phase of development is very useful for in narrow contexts. AIs themselves typically maximize or minimize a specific output based on the inputs you've given them. And so they have an objective function. The problem is that the world is very multi-objective. There's pluripotential in the world. And if you were to let a sufficiently advanced and computationally backed artificial intelligence handle the modern world, it simply wouldn't be able to because it will its output will always converge within that specific narrow task that it's aimed to maximize. This creates a, a bit of disproportion. On the one hand, the AI is very, it's exceptional, uh, particularly modern transformer-based large language models such as um, ChatGPT, they're exceptional at using natural language processing to generate outputs, right? The problem is that not a lot of people understand the inner workings of the model. It's effectively a black box that puts them in a position where they can't really validate the output. You know, AIs, are meant to give you an output. Regardless of the initial prompt, it's always gonna generate an output. The problem isn't the generation of the output, it's how much do you trust the output? That's number one. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a very valid concern. Number two is the misaligned objectives aspect of it in that you need to be able to continuously reevaluate re what the highest priority objectives are. And current AI models aren't able to do that. They simply maximize a specific function to the detriment of other functions, right? If we were to increase our reliance on AI models, particularly in a professional setting, what we'd see that is that a few functions, such as the generation of maximum profit, such as the generation of maximum utility, such as the generation of maximum whatever, right, in this case, um, will be maximized to the detriment of other um, impactful objectives for humanity as a whole. Um, and finally, I think that this, the pace of development is so far that, so so grand, I think that it may, it, it creates a perception that ethical considerations aren't really taken into account. I think that also plays a part in, also plays a part in that petition. Um, for anyone that's interested in actually exploring the underlying game theoretical mechanics of that petition, there's something called the Moloch framework. The Moloch framework dives in great detail uh, and explores worlds where a specific objective is maximized to the detriment of other objectives, and that objective, while seeming ethical or seeming right, 
in the short term, in the long run, creates disproportionate um, negative, disproportionate negativity as opposed to disproportionately large benefits. Um, so it's a combination of people's inability to keep up mixed with the misaligned incentives or misaligned objective functions, um, mixed with the ethical considerations, and I suppose mixed in with the job displacement that potentially be created, although I think that's a bit of a, whenever one job disappears, another job appears. So uh, over a decade or two, I think that that won't be the biggest issue. I think that the biggest issue will be our over-reliance on models that we simply don't understand well enough to be able to productively harness without adversely affecting other critical areas in our own life. Yeah, I think uh, I have to agree with you on the part that it's definitely a lack of understanding and lack of knowledge. Uh, and to go with that, I have a funny fact that during the time that I went to sky, uh, high school, I took part of some acting classes and uh, I ended up taking part of a play called Rossum's Universal Robots. Uh, it was a science fiction play that was written in 1920. And it was basically a story of a factory that was making robots and they were initially uh, helping humans and but as they evolved they started having emotions and feelings and the end they had a revolt and basically caused the extinction of the human race so obviously that was something that was written 100 years ago and even even up to today you know people still have the same fear so I guess to some extent it is our responsibility to to educate people on this whole conception but I guess to some on the other hand we still somehow uh, need to work on that that maybe something like this doesn't happen uh, anyway uh, do you have do you, what are your thoughts on this part is it a possibility or you would completely uh, you know take that option out I maintain balance. I don't lean overly negative and I don't lean overly positive. I think that we are very far away from having an AI that would lead to the extinction of humanity as a whole. I think, if anything, the extinction of humanity, if it were a plausible scenario, is much more likely to be caused than a human rather than to be caused by some AI with a misaligned objective function. I think that... Uh, there's smaller impact yet highly impactful variables here. For example, I think that even if a potential detrimental situation were to occur as a consequence of AI, it won't lead to the extinction of humans as a whole, but it may cause significant damage, which would set the industry back much further than a six-month petition will. I think that's that's number one. So there's a trade-off here in that you wanna if you were to pause development or slow down development then at least slow it down for for for, for a humble for, for not for a humble for a noble reason right while you slow it down ensure that you're actually delivering on the promises that you set out within that uh, that you set out to achieve within that initial petition overall i don't really think that humanity is going to go extinct i think that specific jobs are going to disappear and I see that as a natural evolution. I don't really think that there's, it, it, might, it might sound a bit cynical for me to say, but jobs appear and disappear continuously, particularly over long time frames, such as a decade or two or three or 50 years or 100 years. 
Um, and th there's really no fighting that. It's uh, a very natural evolution. If something more functionally, more useful, much more productive were to appear that would substitute a significant portion of your work, the right choice to make is to upskill yourself. The right choice to make is to pivot into a different direction. That or your other choice is to understand that new technological innovation and leverage it such that it ameliorates your life. It improves it. You can leverage it to effectively generate profit in an autonomous manner for yourself or your organization or your government. Um, very far away from actual human extinction, much closer to um, back in the uh, back in the fifties. You had this race: who's going to reach back in the thirties, forties, fifties? You had this race of who's going to reach the moon first, right? And that created these incentives where everyone was continuously foregoing other investment opportunities to invest in space exploration. At the time, it was governments that were investing in that. The problem is that, well, particularly the problem with AI, which circles back to that petition, is that a lot of people are currently investing in the development of AI. And it is akin to a race. Right? And this overly competitive dynamic, I think, puts us in a dangerous spot. I think it's not the AI itself that's the problem. It's AI that's driven by an overly competitive dynamic um, that's funded by people whose interests are obfuscated and very unclear. And I think that AI leveraged in a productive way, wherein, and by productive, I mean AI leveraged in a way that benefits almost every stakeholder of the AI um, is what we want to achieve. We don't want to achieve, we, don't, we want to put yourself, we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where um, a disproportionately large amount of people control massive models and utilize those models for their own interest to the detriment of interest to the detriment of the interest of everyone else right and so you see that the core of the problem is an imbalance in incentives right overly competitive everyone being incentivized to compete more and more overly competitive um, game theoretic scenarios leading to more powerful ai being developed in I suppose, more extreme circumstances. Again, not human extinction level, definitely not a planetary level threat, uh, but a big enough threat to raise concern. Thanks, Thanks for, your, for your thoughts. I think there are a lot of good and many takeaways from there. I mean, just like, why should someone be a line worker today, right? You you have the technology for it. It's not, it's not a pleasant job. So I guess as, as uh, human beings, we have to keep on uh, educating ourselves more and and learn learn new things and and I think it's also something that makes us actually happier and uh, you know you have a more of a purpose when you keep on educating yourself more and doing new things. But uh, getting back to fetch AI, um, if I'm not mistaken, you guys recently received funding of uh, around forty million. Uh, how are you planning to use use this money? That's a question. Uh, it's it's a, a bit out of my pay grade. My from from what I understood, the investment is meant to facilitate the application of uh, agent based machine learning models within various industries, uh, and that's a very sort of 
very vague answer, but I myself uh, don't really know. I think that's a question you need to forward to our CPO. I think he's going to be able to give you a much clearer output on that. In general, though, it's funding to ensure that development of the ecosystem, of the developer suite, the, the, the developer suite that, that we're making right now, and of the various products continues unencumbered. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, and of course, I mean, recently you had some nice partnership announcement like uh, Bosch. Uh, you also mentioned it. Are there any other perhaps partnership you can share or shed some light on on any of that? Uh, yeah, we uh, we we partnered with Festo back in 2021. Festo are a German machine manufacturer, and uh, we're still actively working with them today. The goal there is to uh, redefine the manufacturing industry. Manufacturing as a whole is uh, an extremely large industry riddled with quite a lot of inefficiency, and it's the exact inefficiencies that agent-based systems can easily remediate. Machine-to-machine uh, -machine communication is the one uh, sort of example I gave earlier, which directly applies here. But it can also make uh, uh, manufacturing as a whole much more decentralized. And the agent-based applications here are uh, somewhat clear. You can use an agent to communicate directly with a machine. And in the current instance of global manufacturing, what ends up happening is that a company contacts the sales agent of another company who contacts procurement, who contacts production, who contacts an operations management. And that's an entire process that needs to be planned, scheduled, forecast, organized, um, financed. And at the end of the day, uh, humans are still going to be doing that or rather supervising that. But that's a, a, an instance where agent-based technology can uh, wildly overhaul such a process uh, by simply substituting uh, this long value chain by agents. And what you'd see at the end of the day is my agent ordering a specific part or a specific raw material um, or a specific uh, sort of um, engineer to order product, right? And it will order that through another agent and that agent could then um, contact the warehouse's agent and contact the production agent, the production facility agent. And so those agents are going to be able to quickly communicate with each other, understand, do we have the right resources? Do we have the right tools? And do we have the right capacity as measured in full-time equivalent units to produce this product or batch of products within a reasonable lead time? And what you'd get is much more streamlined manufacturing with the added benefit of having the blockchain as an execution layer to facilitate payments with the added benefit of having smart uh, escrow type smart contracts to ensure that payment is realized once the finished product this past quality assurance has been distributed and you've received it right so it's a, a systems level improvement that allows for systems levels optimizations to be gained as a consequence of using agent mediated communication within production environments um, but beyond that, you also have the collective learning module, which I hinted at earlier. And for those of us who, for those of you who may have joined somewhat earlier, uh, somewhat late, I think that it's important that I share a little bit about what collective learning is. It is a library that allows or that facilitates decentralized machine learning. Right? Now, what that means is that multiple, in this case, companies 
However, machines are also able to, multiple entities contribute to the training of a specific model. Um, the model itself is coordinated by the blockchain. So training of the model happens off-chain, but coordination of the weights within the model happens on-chain. What that allows is multiple parties to train one model. This model is in theory and in practice much better because you have five people's inputs as opposed to one one person or, or one team's input which handles the inherent bias problem but also gives you a much more stable model right, to begin with um, and what you can end up doing is you can um, effectively use thousands of machines interconnected throughout the planet supplying data to one model right um, the model itself learns the patterns of work learns to detect anomalies of work and is able to give you well it's able to give you specific insight insight related to the life cycle of machines insight related to the quality of products made by a specific machine insights related to uh, systems level insights that would otherwise be unable right you'd, you'd be unable to use that information because you don't have an ai model that um, harnesses thousands of machines uh, thousands of machines input and uh, the goal there is to ensure that the model is trained in a distributed manner so that gives you that solves the inherent bias problem but it's also able to um, be trained in a privacy preserving manner right using something called differential differential privacy what ends up happening is that you don't reveal any identifiable data what you end up uh, revealing is simply the end model which is kind of the ideal scenario there. Um, this is quite handy for manufacturers who have, or not manufacturers, but this is quite handy in energy markets, in manufacturing markets, um, and in physical distribution and logistics and supply chain markets, because they're inherently chaotic. Um, there's quite a lot of entropy in those markets, not only due to the scale, but due to the inherent complexity. Right? And if you were able to quantify to use uh, uh, sort of everyone's input without exposing their uh, underlying data uh, and quantify a systems level model that's able to see the patterns within the system, then that model is also gonna be able to reorganize the system in a much more productive way. Um, and I've kind of given you an industry level example, but the exact same mechanics play within a single factory, right? Yeah, um, a lot of information and details there. Um, to kind of maybe summarize or to kind of uh, get to the, well, let's say to wrap it up. Uh, what do you think we we will where where will you guys be in a few years time? Um, I would say that we'd love to cultivate uh, a developer centric community of people who are fascinated uh, by not only artificial intelligence blockchain and agent-based systems but they are fascinated in uh, emerging problems right i think that the bread and butter of or rather the ideal application is to um, create cross-cultural teams that are able to um, generate the productive solutions to difficult problems global pollution healthcare related problems um, inefficiencies within every industry 
And uh, we'd love to be in a position where we continuously help those people realize their, their ideas. I see the next four to five years as a combination of productizing and commercializing some of our own ideas, as well as continuously refining um, the underlying development suite, the network itself, the wallet itself, so the baseline infrastructure, as well as guides, showcases, tutorials, demos, um, as well as the overall development journey, right? So that we can reach a point where we have this vibrant, thriving community of both people that have specific ideas and developers who are able to realize those ideas, right? And fund them either through the community pool or through other means. And so effectively turning Fetch AI into an ecosystem that produces increasing value uh, for, for, for almost every industry due to the generality of agent-based tech. Okay, I guess this is obviously more towards people who are able to uh, code and so on. But for someone like me, let's say, <laughs> who has no coding experience, how can they get involved with such AI? Uh, you can start with the agent verse. The agent versus the easiest um, sort of onboarding tool you can use. You can use the graphical interface to create your own agents. Uh, beyond simply, so the technological solution is really one part of, of solving a problem. The bigger problem is understanding the context around the problem, understanding the problem itself, the root cause, and being able to generate solutions, right? And not only sort of feasible solutions, but solutions that are sustainable long-term, that are ethical and take into account multiple objectives, and that are actually able to produce value both for you as well as the ecosystem, as well as any other stakeholder that's taking part within that uh, sort of uh, within that domain of creating uh, of generating a solution and realizing it. So the more you understand a specific industry, the easier it will be for you to perceive agent applications. At that point, you can use the agent verse and a little bit of um, sort of Python, but only a slight bit beginner level Python to create your first prospect. That would be that would be the easiest way to onboard yourself. If you are genuinely looking to um, kind of solve complex problems, that would be, be the optimal approach. Um, uh, if you, if it's if we're talking short term or midterm and you're not really <laughs> you're not really um, interested in solving uh, complex problems or rather you're not able to commit yourself to to such a journey because it is a quite a big commitment and a quite a long journey at the end of the day. Um, simply staying in touch, simply asking us questions, simply engaging with uh, our community, um, tinkering with the various features that we create and giving us feedback is already, I'd say, a massive contribution. Thanks. Thanks for your answers and thanks for, for this AMA today. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share that perhaps I didn't uh, manage to ask? I would I would say that as a final thought, uh, and this is this goes out to everyone listening in the Twitter spaces. You don't really need to be afraid of technology, and you don't really need to be afraid of AI. I'd say that the fear is really the wrong response. I'd say that it's curiosity mixed with excitement is really going to get you far. And even if you don't really consider yourself a developer, you don't need to be a developer to be able to generate a brilliant solution. Um, technically, there's there's the technical work is really twenty percent of bringing a product uh, into fruition or bringing an agent based solution into fruition. Um, so stay curious, stay humble, 
and continue learning, right? The blockchain industry uh, itself is very dynamic, so it naturally fosters continuous learning. Um, the Fetch AI project is uh, akin to the broader industry, or rather reflects the broader industry. That is, I'd say that's, I'd wrap it up with stay curious. Yeah, so let's let's say curious and thank thank you all who joined and those who will listen to the recording. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was an introduction to Fetch AI, recorded on Wednesday, April twelfth, two thousand twenty-three. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening. Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support, meow. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain got the taxes included Acting like a writer never felt secluded Shit and line them up Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse When you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.